Computer, initialize Holosuite. Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast series on feminism and women in popular culture. I am a PhD graduate that has been researching feminism, video games and movies for almost a decade and I would like to share with all of you what I have discovered in all of my research. In this series, I will be examining the representations of various action heroines in all your favorite television series, movies and video games, so I hope you really enjoy it. Please feel free to leave me comments and feedback and to visit my blog on feminism and pop culture if you would like to learn more. So for this first episode, I will be looking at Captain of the USS Shenzhou and Terran Emperor from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, if you are familiar with who I'm talking about, it is Philippa Giorgio. So she is a super badass character that has become a sort of a personal hero to me. So in this first episode, in this introduction to the series, um, I titled it Mother of the Fatherland, Emperor Giorgio and Female Masculinity in Star Trek Discovery. I will be looking closer at her representation and especially her character arc in season three of Discovery, which aired in October last year and is currently available to watch on Netflix and Paramount+. Plus. So let's get right into it. Since the first iteration of the franchise, Star Trek, despite endeavoring to imagine a future that is free of sexism, racism and prejudice, has struggled to break free from stereotypical representations of race and gender. A good example is Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek The Original Series. Even though she was the first representation of a black female astronaut on primetime television, she remained scantily clad and unlike her white male contemporaries, she did not have a significant character arc of her own. There is actually this famous story of an exchange between Nichelle Nichols, the actress that portrayed Uhura, and Martin Luther King Jr. The story goes that in a conversation she said to Martin Luther King Jr that she's really frustrated with the writers of Star Trek and that she actually wanted to quit the show because her lines kept getting cut and she was not given opportunity to explore her character arc. In response, Martin Luther King Jr. told her to keep appearing on Star Trek because for young black girls seeing a black woman in space is really inspiring and it is something that has not been shown on television before. In a recent documentary on the character, it shows how Lieutenant Uhura inspired many young black women to become astronauts and to pursue careers in science. So despite her sexualization, we can still see that Lieutenant Uhura had a positive effect on many young lives. Anyway, moving on with the discussion, Subsequent Star Trek series, such as The Next Generation, featured more female officers, but they were often cast in stereotypically feminine roles, such as Nurse, Dr. Beverly Crusher, and Counselor, Deanna Troy. They were also sexualized, and again, they were peripheral to the white males on the bridge crew. I found it really funny how on Star Trek Lower Decks, at the end of the first episode, 
um, Ensign Mariner talks about Diana Troy's sexy body and it just made me think back of this. Anyway, it was only in Star Trek Voyager where women were placed in the central and more subversive roles of captain, such as Captain Catherine Janeway, Chief Engineer Bellona Torres and Astrometrics Officer Seven of Nine. Now you'll definitely hear about Catherine Janeway and Seven of Nine in later episodes, but for now, despite these positive additions, most of these characters were still portrayed by white cisgender women and minority female characters and actresses remained largely unrepresented in Star Trek. So one of the most recent series in the franchise, called Star Trek Discovery, which started airing in 2017 and is still um, busy airing at the moment and has been renewed for another season. So one of the most recent series in the franchise, called Star Trek Discovery, which started airing in 2017 and has currently been renewed for another season, season 4, Star Trek Discovery seems to be aware of these contradictions inherent in what Star Trek claims to be and what it actually is. In an attempt to realize Gene Roddenberry's vision, which was to envision a future that is free of sexism, racism and prejudice, Discovery, which is set a decade before the events of the original series, includes a far more diverse cast, and for the first time in Star Trek history, a female African-American main protagonist named Michael Burnham. The USS Discovery crew also includes other prominent non-white characters, Star Trek's first openly gay mixed-race couple, and Star Trek's first non-binary and transgender characters. So it goes without saying that simply including a more diverse cast does not necessarily eliminate sexual and cultural stereotypes, but as Judith Rocher points out, Discovery's highly diverse cast, combined with its mirror universe plot, which I will talk more about later, complicates especially the representation of female characters of color. Now, this author that I am referring to, Judith Rocher, um, she is one of the authors that featured in an edited volume of essays on Star Trek's Discovery specifically. It is called Fighting for the Future, Essays on Star Trek Discovery, and you will be able to find the full reference on my blog if you would like to get hold of the book or if you would like to read up on it more. Right, so owing to uh, the limited scope of this podcast, um, I'm trying to keep it short since it is an introduction. I will focus only on one character, which is the Terran Emperor in Discovery, Philippa Giorgio. And she is played by the Malaysian-American actress Michelle Yeoh. So on a side note, uh, Michelle Yeoh is also one of my personal uh, heroines. If you're aware of her, she played in Memoirs of a Quick Geisha. She also played in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, as well as the follow-up Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. She was also a Bond girl in Tomorrow Never Dies. And she featured in various Hong Kong movies of the past. And in all of those movies, um, it is said that she performed her own stunts. And in Star Trek Discovery 2, uh, she performs her own stunts. So the actress herself is pretty badass and pretty cool and I highly recommend watching her other movies too. 
Um, she is really very good. Anyway, back to the discussion. Through this short podcast, I hope to initiate further discussion and research on women of Asian descent specifically, not only in Star Trek, but also in other sci-fi television of the 2010s. Judith Rauscher's analysis of Emperor Giorgio identifies her as simply another post-feminist or imperialist ideal of womanhood that perpetuates orientalist fantasies. However, I propose that masculinity and femininity manifest in Giorgio in more nuanced ways, especially if one considers her character arc in season 3 of Discovery, which aired in October 2020. So if you're unfamiliar with the term post-feminism, there is a discussion of post-feminism and Laura Croft on my blog, and you will also find the link to one of the papers I wrote on Laura Croft. Uh, if you're not aware of her, she's the popular video game heroine. If you would like to learn more about post-feminism, please go there. Okay, so let's get into the discussion of Philippa Georgia. So just some background on the character. Philippa Giorgio is first introduced to viewers as a Starfleet captain in the Prime Universe, but suffers an untimely death in the second episode of Discovery. In this episode 11 of Discovery, called The Wolf Inside, when the USS Discovery crosses over to the infamous Mirror Universe, which is a parallel universe governed by a violent, racist and totalitarian regime, the Terran Empire, it is revealed that the mirror version of Captain Giorgio is in fact the emperor of this empire. So just as a side note, if you are not sure what the mirror universe and the prime universe is, in Star Trek um, there is the prime universe in which most of the events take place, but in the original series episode titled Mirror Mirror, for the first time the characters crossed over to the mirror universe, which is basically the inversion of the Prime Universe. So all the good guys in the Prime Universe tend to be bad guys in the Mirror Universe. So in that original episode, Mirror Mirror, we see Captain Kirk encountering for the first time Evil Kirk, and Spock for the first time encountering Evil Spock, who finally has a goatee. I thought that was pretty funny. And for the rest of uh, the Star Trek series, um, sometimes they cross over to the Mirror Universe, but never to the extent that they do in Star Trek Discovery. Actually, in Star Trek Discovery, there are a few episodes that they spend in the Mirror Universe, so the Mirror Universe plays a much more prominent role in Star Trek Discovery. So, as I mentioned before, in the Mirror Universe, Captain Giorgio is the emperor of the Terran Empire. There was a funny quote that she said in one of the episodes. She said that, I am extremely wicked, even for a Terran. <laughs> so we see that Emperor Giorgio is really the truly evil version of the really good and righteous Captain Giorgio. So as some theorists have argued, as the Mirror Universe exists outside of the neoliberalist confines of the Federation, it has allowed Star Trek to explore different forms of female masculinities than those embodied by pristine Starfleet officers such as Captain Janeway or Captain Philippa Giorgio, for example. 
Instead of merely being captain's woman, such as Captain Kirk's various girlfriends in the original series, female characters from the Mirror Universe, such as Terran Empress Hoshi Sato from Star Trek Enterprise and Bajoran Alliance Intendant Kira Neris from Deep Space Nine, they are actually female rulers. As Rauscher explains, in the Mirror Universe, the empowerment of women depends on their integration into totalitarian militaristic structures that rely on openly imperialist and racist ideologies, wherein they are willing to do whatever is necessary to gain power. So similar to Kira Neris and Hoshi Sato, Emperor Giorgio also uses sex, manipulation and violence to secure her position of authority. She dresses in dominatrix style outfits and she is openly bisexual. So the brothel scene in episode 15 of Discovery called Will You Take My Hand is a really good example of what Rocher therefore terms Giorgio's imperial feminism. If you have seen the scene, the leather-clad Emperor Giorgio is shown in bed with two Orion prostitutes, and one is male and one is female. While discussing payment for their services rendered, and I thought this was quite funny because she apparently has taught them a thing or two, which emphasizes further Giorgio's sexual prowessness, Giorgio knocks out the male Orion and chokes the female at gunpoint for information that she is unlikely to possess. For Rauscher, Emperor Giorgio's particular version of imperial feminism, epitomized in this scene, is one in which women assume positions of power by exhibiting an imperialist femininity that rivals or even surpasses the imperialist and racist masculinity of the Terran Empire as is also reinforced by her honorary title, Mother of the Fatherland. Emperor Giorgio and her predecessors thus problematically offer viewers, in addition to an imperialist femininity, a post-feminist version of female agency, which conflates sexualization and violence and presents it as women's empowerment. Moreover, Empress Sato and Emperor Giorgio are both portrayed by Asian actresses, which further perpetuates racist and imperialist feminist fantasies despite subverting established stereotypes of Asian women as passive sex objects. And this particular stereotype you will find often in Japanese anime, just as a side note. In fact, for Rocher, Giorgio's role in Discovery expresses the particular paradox of 21st century imperialist feminism as a woman of color is ironically placed at the head of a supremacist society that seeks dominion of all racialized others, which are aliens in the case of Star Trek, such as the Orion sex workers that we see with Giorgio earlier. Now, with all this theory out of the way, I would like to turn to a discussion of the episode Terra Firma from Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. So, as I mentioned earlier, in Season 3 of Discovery, Emperor Giorgio undergoes a significant transformation that is primarily explored in the two-part episode Terra Firma.
Now, this is a spoiler alert if you have not watched Discovery before. So if you would like to watch Terra Firma first, then stop listening here. If you have watched it or if you don't care about spoilers, then please keep listening. So in episode 13 of season one, called What's Past is Prologue, Emperor Giorgio crosses over to the Prime Universe against her will and successfully impersonates her Prime counterpart, Captain Giorgio, for almost two seasons. I especially found this quite touching how Michael Burnham grabs onto Emperor Giorgio at the last second and brings her back with her to the Prime Universe. So while this provides apt social commentary on imperialism in our current zeitgeist, it also adds a complexity to Emperor Giorgio that is not explored in other mirror characters from previous track. In my reading, this added dimension of universe crossing is what allows Giorgio to transcend her initial status as an imperialist or post-feminist character to a more refined representation of femininity. In the two-part episode, Terra Firma, a dying Emperor Giorgio returns to the Mirror Universe and is given the opportunity to relive the betrayal of her adopted daughter, Mirror Michael Burnham. At the climax of part one, Giorgio decides not to execute her daughter, as she did in the original timeline, but she rather attempts to regain Burnham's loyalty and to save Burnham's life. This is especially what Mirror Burnham sees as confirmation that the Emperor has become weak, or in my view perhaps too feminine, and is therefore unfit to rule. So just a side note here, as I explained earlier, the Mirror Universe is the evil version of the Prime Universe. So in the Mirror Universe, an act of kindness is also an act of weakness. And this is why this sort of dynamic takes place between the two characters. However, in a few touching scenes throughout part two of Terra Firma, we see Giorgio trying to appeal to Burnham as a mother. She visits her in her holding cell while recalling traumatic events from Burnham's childhood. She places a globe of fireflies next to Burnham to remind her of all they have overcome together. And she also keeps a watchful eye on Burnham from her own private quarters, hoping that her adopted daughter would return to her. In other scenes from Terra Firma, we further witness how the Emperor's condescending view of alien others has been significantly altered during her time in the Prime Universe. And actually, a lot of people have commented that uh, this sudden change we see in Giorgio seems to be out of character and out of place. But on my second watching of season three of Discovery, and I think this is because of the very skillful acting by Michelle Yeoh, we can see that actually in her heart, the Terran Emperor has changed during her time in the Prime Universe. I was quite moved by episode 2 of season 3 of Discovery when Michael Burnham comes back and finds Discovery after searching for them for one year even though the Emperor does not come to hug her and greet her she's actually the one that throughout the entire episode is the most anxious to find Michael Burnham and she kind of stands in the distance and looks at Burnham she can't really express how happy she is that she's there because 
it seems like she kind of has to keep up this really tough exterior. But actually, in her heart, I can see that um, she really missed Burnham and that she's really happy to have her back. And perhaps the Terran Emperor has become soft. Anyway, back to the discussion of the alien others. <laughs> so, like I said, um, in Terra Firma, we also witness how the Emperor's condescending view of aliens has changed significantly during her time in the Prime Universe. In the episode called The Wolf Inside, it is revealed that the Terrans slaughter and eat a sentient alien race called Kelpians, while also using them as personal servants. This is a stark contrast to the Prime Universe, where a Kelpian named Saru is in fact the first officer and later captain of the USS Discovery. Upon returning to the Mirror Universe, the Emperor not only takes Kelpian meat off the menu, but she also saves Mirror Saru by revealing to him that what Kalpians call the Vaharai is not the end of life as they believe it to be, but simply another stage of their evolution. And this is something that she learned during her time in the Prime Universe. Following this conversation between her and Mirror Saru, and I found this quote very interesting, Mirror Saru says to the Emperor, Emperor, you are not Terran. And this is indeed a statement that reveals just how much the Tenran Emperor has changed since we met her in season one, to the point where another character would say to her that actually you cannot be Terran because you are too good to be Terran. These two examples that I have given, they're only brief examples of Emperor Giorgio's transformation and her evolution as a character definitely deserves a far more in-depth analysis Maybe something I will pursue a bit later in the series. But what this does reveal, on the surface at least, is two key redemptive qualities for Giorgio as an imperialist or post-feminist character. So first, the excessive violence and xenophobia that characterizes Giorgio's particular version of imperialist femininity is replaced with an acknowledgement of alien others and a willingness to engage with them on a deeper level, as well as a sincere attempt to resolve conflict without resorting to violence. Second, although her dominatrix-style attire remains unaltered for most of the three seasons, save for the elaborate halo that she wears on the day of the christening of the ISS Charon that visually harks back at images of the Virgin Mother in Christian iconography, she does not use her sexuality, but rather her status as a mother to achieve her goals. On a side note, um, the picture for the podcast is actually a drawing that I did of Emperor Giorgio with her halo. So if you're wondering what um, halo I am referring to, you can just look at the picture for this podcast. Anyway... In these ways, in terra firma, there is far more emphasis on Giorgio's traditionally feminine qualities, such as motherhood, compassion, and sensitivity. And because she chose to act on these instead of adopting a more masculine disposition, she is given a second chance at life by the Guardian of Forever at the end of the two-part episode. The big reveal that it was the Guardian of Forever that sent her back to experience 
the day of the christening of the ISS Charon was also a fun easter egg for many Star Trek fans. Since he was the one that opened the portal for the crew of the original series in previous episodes of Star Trek. So in this way, Emperor Jojo's adoption of Starfleet principles and her ultimate redemption through femininity, this may simply indicate a submission to what Rauscher terms the patriarchal logic of the Star Trek command structure and by extension the prime universe. However, as I pointed out earlier, Discovery is in itself not the traditional patriarchal track of the past, and though it seems like the Emperor acknowledges the value of, and to some degree implements, the Starfleet principles, she remains outside of them as she leaves to most likely serve in Section 31, which is a covert ops organization run by Starfleet, but that functions outside of Starfleet's strict regulations. So on a side note here again, it has been confirmed that Michelle Yeoh will lead a spin-off series called Star Trek Section 31 and that she will be the main character of that series. I am very excited for it and I hope she will be kicking as much ass in Section 31 as she did on Discovery, which I'm sure she will. So back to the discussion. The Emperor also does not entirely abandon violence nor her sexuality. After all, she does end murder Michael Burnham's life again by violently forcing her sword through Burnham's stomach, even though it was out of self-defense. So this therefore compels a rethinking of the feminist and anti-feminist status of the character and more broadly of the type of feminism that women in sci-fi television in the 2010s advocate. Emperor Giorgio and likely other women of color in Discovery and 2010's sci-fi television is clearly more than simply another regurgitation of post-feminist femininity or of masculinist and racist imperial femininity. I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast and that this opened your mind and enlightened you a bit to representation to popular culture and to women and science fiction. And for the rest of the series, I will mostly be focusing on women in science fiction, but now and then I will also be talking about video games and about movies and other genres as well. So thank you very much for listening. Please leave me some comments if you liked it or not, who you might want to hear me talk about in the future. If you have any female characters that you really love, please hit me up, please let me know. And thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, (laughs) which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, Mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like about, I don't know, I think it was like 62 abs. He just looked ripped and then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this, yeah, a little bit of that. I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Ransom Fu, maybe we should be calling it. 
Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. And it wouldn't surprise me in the sex cabin if the table's wonky, because the amount of times that oh, Gary and Tom's probably jumped on there, it's yeah, probably sticky. damaged it. Oh! <laughs> you know that table's sticky. Oh! Suzanne! <laughs> it's in the sex cabin! It's, it's a table sticky. not just for pool balls. <laughs> it's a table not just for pool balls. No. no. Yeah, the the thing the scary thing is is you don't know for sure what that sticky is. Mm. Cuz nobody's going to test it. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Computer deactivate Hollow Suite.